Welcome to the About Nashville podcast with Mike Rogers, episode number 37. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, which will allow you to finally have the web present you so greatly needed, whether it's your work, a blog, a product, or just a service. Anything with just a few clicks. Customize everything from your look and feel to settings and products. Use amazing templates by world-class designers. You don't install anything. You just put it up there. You don't have to patch anything or upgrade anything ever. So head to squarespace.com for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code HITMAN to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Easy as that. How you doing, Miss Holly? I'm good. It's good to be back, right? Oh, my goodness. It's been too long. How have you been? What have you been up to? Uh, I don't remember where we left off, but I can tell you that as far as my personal life, um, it's still the same. I'm still in need of the same stuff I was in need of then. Lord, <laughs> you are just a sad case to behold. I am. I'm so sad. Jeesh. Jeesh. Very sad. Did you see that comedian on oh. the news that the guy got angry at him and came off the stage and was like, like throwing mic stands and chairs and all kinds. He didn't ever, I don't even think he ever hit the comedian. He didn't. He was the, bobbing and weaving and hey. That, that guy had like ninja like reflexes. He I was did. like, how are you do? I just wished he'd turn around and slap the fresh Prince of Bel Air <laughs> outfit he had on. Did you see? He couldn't. He, he couldn't. Uh, I mean, the, 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 that he, guy that jumped up on the stage had like yellow pants he and did. some, I he mean. Did. But he had too much stuff going at him his way. He really couldn't just run up on him and give him a good punch. He, had, he was too busy dodging and bobbing and weaving and. and well, when he slipped, he should have kicked him in the head. Kicked him in the head. Hey, but he has some mighty skills. Oh, he did. He, I, I don't know what the hell. The joke must have been off the hook because I don't know what would ever cause somebody <laughs> to get that crazy. It was a your mama joke. Was it? Yeah. Oh, was it really? Black people don't like your mama jokes. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I would have thought that it would have been they don't like your daddy jokes. <laughs> we don't like those either. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, hey, um, Nashville news. Did you know that the Harlem Globetrotters are coming to Nashville? I did not. Yes, yes. And for those of you out there that do not know, uh, the Harlem Globetrotters, they're, they're an exhibition team. They combine athleticism, theater, and comedy in their, their, their style of play. And over the years, they've played more than 26,000 exhibition games in 122 countries. Have you been to see Harlem Globetrotters before? Mm, no, but I, I've seen them on like Gilligan's Island and Scooby Doo. I remember, <laughs> I, you know, I I remember like uh, funny that you should say that. I remember when like um, oh gosh, Meadowlark Lemon and uh, Curly Neal and Geese Osby and those guys when they were on. I, I, you know, those those are the guys that I remember like really being Harlem Globetrotters. Right. But I couldn't tell you who's on the Harlem Globetrotters today. I couldn't tell you one person. You know what? Neither can I. But you are not going to believe uh, what I found out, though. Yeah, this part you're going to like flip out. Oh, Did you know that seven foot one Hall of Famer basketball legend Wilt Chamberlain played for the Harlem Globetrotters before he ever played for the NBA? I did not know that. He did. did he played in 1958 and 59. Uh, he played for the Harlem Globetrotters before he ever played for the NBA. As a matter of fact, they retired his number 13 in, uh, in 2000. This is a, this guy, he once scored 100 points. In an NBA uh, a basketball game. Eight and 59, though. When did he go to the NBA? Probably the very next year. My goodness. I mean, no wonder he was so dead good. I mean, he, he, he actually, he retired with an average 
of like 30 points scored per game and 20 rebounds per game. No one else has ever done that in NBA history. Uh, He's one of the the greatest basketball players ever, and he was a globetrotter first. That's crazy. That is. That's amazing. Do do, do you remember, uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but do you remember when like Wilt Chamberlain said he had slept with over 20,000 women? I have heard that. I have heard that. It's it's that can't be true. You don't that, think it's true? No, hell no, it can't be true. He doesn't have any children. He, you know what? If if he can count some of these uh, artificial human dolls that they are coming out with now, maybe I can believe that number. Have you heard of that? Get out of town! <laughs> but the the man was seven foot one. I mean, he would impregnate a woman just walking into the room naked. Maybe he could he could lay in his bed and 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 use his monster dick to turn out the lights Ma- <laughs> and never even get up out of bed. I mean, why? Why? There's no way. If he'd had to think about this for a minute, I mean, if he'd had twenty thousand uh, women that he'd slept with, there would be women coming out of the woodworks looking for a check. That may be true. That may be true. I mean, but he uh, he passed away. I guess he was like sixty three when he passed away. He didn't have have any children, really? or at least any children that they prove. I just, I'm like, 20,000 women. The odds would be that he would have a whole lot of kids. Yeah, at least a handful. Uh, you would think. Well, you would, think. You would know it because they would be like giants walking around. The man was <laughs> seven foot one. I mean, yeah, there, there's that, no that way. That true. There's some truth to but anyway, that. Anyway, uh, going back to the Harlem Globetrotters, they will be at Bridgestone Arena uh, this Saturday, January 27th. Two shows, one at 2 p.m. and the other at 7 p.m. The minimum price for a ticket is $24 to get in the door, and my daughter's actually dancing in the halftime shows. Are you serious? Yes. No. I swear. Is I, she really? Yes, yes. <laughs> She's going to be out there digging me. I'm dancing. You know what? What, what day is she going to be there? Uh, this Saturday. It's this Saturday. Is it just one day? It's just one day. Okay. You think the Harlem Globetrotters are going to be here for like a, no, a week? Know, maybe the two days. I don't they know, can't. They do 460 shows a year. Well, They're going to. They got they traveling. Shows. That's why they call them globe trotters because they yeah, don't stay in one place trotters, right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I I guess. Oh no, it just sounded good to me. Anyway, I, she's excited about it, and I, I, I I'm excited about it. What's going on? Um, well, the the government started back today. Yeah, I know. I saw that. You, you hear they that they they, they yeah. shut down? What the hell? Yeah. I mean, what I don't understand is, I mean, uh, it, it, the the whole part wasn't it like a disagreement? over the budget it was it's to get stuff done but i don't i don't understand it i mean every single one of those politicians up there on capitol hill broke the number one golden rule of budgeting so it doesn't why why are they fighting about it but it's to get stuff done they shut it down to get people to agree to what they want to get done and they got what they wanted what was what they wanted it had it was something to do with deca and some other stuff i don't know so is that like a strike a strike? Yeah. I don't, a strike? What do you mean a strike? Well, I mean, it, it sounds like a, we're not going to work, so we're going to we're going to shut this door. Oh, stri- we're going we, we're going on a strike. We're not going to we're going to hold the kind of the government ransom. <laughs> we we ain't gonna, we're not going to work. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. think about I that. I mean, if we if anybody else went on strike, they'd get fired. I think we should yeah. have used that opportunity to fire everybody in oh, politics. Yeah. Fire every single dadgum one of them and just start over. Doesn't apply to them. Well, obviously, not much applies to them, including no. the budget. That, that is very true. I mean, I don't even very know why true. they're arguing about a budget. They haven't been in budget in over thirty years. That is true. So, I mean, what's the big argument now? Maybe I mean, those two days was to get them back in the budget. Well, if they would follow the number one golden rule, then then they, then none of this would have happened. So, mm, okay, there you I go. Mean, 
That's what I'm telling you. I mean, I you know, the funny part about it is I just read somewhere uh, where there are now polls stating that uh, Biden, uh, what is it, Biden, Sanders, and Oprah would all beat uh, Trump in the 2020 election. And I'm like... <laughs> Uh, I ain't gonna fall for the banana tailpipe. Uh, that, that, that's <laughs> I already did that once. I yeah, already dude, fell. Really? I already oh, fell yeah. for that once. Uh, yeah, this uh, these polls. I don't even know who they polling. You know, I don't even listen to polls anymore. Oprah. I, yeah, I know, right? I mean, they must be polling her audience or something because <laughs> she. I mean, all she would have to do is just get up there and I'm, like, I'm running for president, and then everybody's okay. That's right. Then she'll you'll be the only president. You get a tax break, and you get a tax break. Yeah, right, tax break. right, yeah, and, and you get a vote, and you get That's a vote. Right. The funny part about it is, is that Oprah is like the only president in the world that would go by her first name, President she would. Oprah. <laughs> Nobody would know President Winfrey. Now, who's that? Right. Who, who's President Win? Oh, President Oprah. Okay. That's what superstars do. They just go by that one name. Well, it wouldn't work for somebody like me. I mean, no. When you, you got a name that everybody knows, Joe. That's right. It wouldn't work. Hey, who's for you. Joe? Uh, he's that superstar that uh, uh that nobody knows. That nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta have a name like like you know. There's Garth, Elvis. Yeah, it has to be unique. Oprah Mike isn't unique. No, no. Oprah's unique. Oprah is unique, but I'd have been pissed if my mama would have named me Oprah. Yeah, so would I. You know how many people are here call her Oprah? Oprah. Okra? <laughs> I love Oprah. <laughs> Oprah is so incredible. <laughs> so crunchy. So slimy. Crunchy. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'd be pissed if my parents would name me Garth. No. Garth? No, when I think of Garth, I think of like like uh, Wayne's World. <laughs> yeah. Party time. Party time. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, no Garth. Uh, and oh my gosh, what is up with those parents locking their kids up? Did you read did you read about that or see it on the news? It's like 13 kids or 12 kids or... It was like a, huge, a whole lot of kids oh, that, yeah. that and yeah. some of them, I mean, now mind you, uh, I ain't gonna lie, there have been times in my mind and my thoughts where I'm like, I'd like to tie these kids up and just like leave. No, you... <laughs> you know... Uh, but that's a father... Uh, Fathers think like that. They don't have as much patience. But their mom and dad, well, I mean, some of them were like in their 20s. Yeah. At that point, it's no longer just like bad parenting. It's just, it should be, it's it's, now it's kidnapping. Yeah. I think it was a cult. A cult. Because if you're 20 years old and you're still allowing your parents to tie you up because you've been bad or whatever, then something's wrong. Well, if you, but you might have the mind of a child. Well, that's true. If you've, if you've been tied up that's your true. entire life, you you that's would, true. I mean, be like, oh, okay, this yeah, is all I know. Yeah. If I go back out in that world, I got to pay rent. And I ain't going to do that <laughs> shit. I'm just going to stay tied up in this <laughs> bed. That's my daughter. <laughs> I mean, we're sitting here making light of something that was like horrific. But, yeah. but I mean, I don't know all yeah. the details, but I was just sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, there's some crazy, crazy people in this world. And it just never, never ceases to amaze me how, how crazy this world really is. And it's getting crazier. And it is. Uh, speaking of uh, the world... Uh, You've been catching up on any of your movies, or you know, speaking of movies, you know, Oprah, uh, Oprah, Oprah, the Oscars, the Oscars na- had all their nominations today, yeah. and uh, I believe the Emmys just happened, didn't they, or something? But anyway, do, have you been catching up on your shows and no. movies? I, you know, I don't watch television. Uh, you're such television. a. That is not because, like, I would say, <laughs> did you watch? Did stuff you watch the? Did you okay? Did you watch Philadelphia and Minnesota? Yeah, you damn lie. I watched the Patriots and uh, Jacksonville. Okay, that's what. That, did you watch it live or was it on television? I um, watched it on television. Okay, so so, so I do watch television. Okay, 
you you wa- want a lot of it. Oh my gosh! Well, well I, I just don't want to say I haven't watched any shows. Okay. So are, are you? No are you, Have you been watching <laughs> Walking Dead at all? No. It has been a year. I know, and I still and I promise. My you wife that got I you did. <laughs> My wife got caught up in two weeks on Walking Dead and was so absolutely addicted to it that she we like binge watched it. And I, I did it again. I, I don't understand it. I mean, all right. So Walking Dead season eight, uh, episode nine is coming back on February the 25th at 9 p.m. Uh, you've had a year to catch up. <laughs> Uh, you have no idea <laughs> what's going on. So it gives you about a month. To, 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 to catch up you. before okay. this new season starts. And trust me, you're going to want to watch this last episode that ties into this new season. I can't say anything about it because it'll spoil okay, it for you. Okay. Uh, but but you need to. You know what I did watch? I have watched Stranger Things. Have you watched Stranger Things? I, I did. I liked the first season. The second season kind of was like, hmm. I think that's a pretty good show. Yeah, good it is. Show. It's okay. It's okay. I, did, so have you seen second season? Yeah. Yeah. And did you like it as much as the first season? No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. That's, so I kind of had that same feeling too. Is Walking Dead better? Uh, the, well, the funny thing is every season is better than the first season. So, so you got to get I through the like you got to get through the first season cuz they probably had like a, a budget of 100 bucks. I can tell. No, I did watch like Three minutes of the first season. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Just rough. It's rough. It and like the zombies are like completely different. They're like doing sprints, and they're like, uh, you, you got, you got to get through it, and you got to get to know who the characters are, and there's a lot of backstory that you need to get. But trust me when I tell you this: after you get through the first season, everything really starts picking up, and and, okay. and you really, really get hooked. I'm telling you. Okay. Um, uh, the, the 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 final season of Game of Thrones it doesn't start until 2019, uh, so you got plenty of time to final not watch season. another one of those episodes either. The final season. The final season. How many seasons of are Game there? of Thrones? I think there's five. Well, it's not too bad. I think. I can do that. Well, it's a lot harder on when you're on my end when you're watching them as they come out because you get you know you're oh Lord what's going to happen and then you got to wait for like a oh. year. A year, like, ah, ah. sound like one of those first season zombies on. Uh, I sounded like uh, uh, Wilt Chamberlain walking in a doorway <laughs> naked. Oh, I got her pregnant. Um, uh, yeah, oh, but you got yeah. you got to check it out. I mean, uh, it's really it's really as good. Speaking of Oprah uh, and the whole thing, speaking of current events too. What about that hashtag Me Too thing? You know what I had? I wanted to bring that up. You okay. know that's. See, I don't know what to say about the whole Me Too thing. You know, I hate, I really appreciate people that are coming out and speaking Mm -hmm. against the whole situation. But where do you draw the line? Because we know that we are not forgiving people. And if you have one person that comes out with that whole Me Too thing and say, okay, he did this to me. And it wasn't true. Or because you say that now, that has ruined somebody's reputation. Well, yeah, and 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 let well, so I, I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I I think that it's wonderful that people are being heard now, because uh, I even asked my wife. I was like, I mean, because there was somebody said that all women are sexually harassed at some point in their life, and I'm like, is that true? And she's like, yeah, it, it's at some point, and you just kind of blow it off and you you move forward. And I'm like, 
I, 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 I was like, really? And and I, I mean, I guess it's great that they're getting the opportunity to be heard, especially when you have such high profile men right. that are abusing their power and they're doing all these things that they shouldn't be doing. Very true. The problem is, is that all of these things are being held in the court of public opinion. Very true. And they're tried in the court of public opinion and not necessarily... Uh, you know, there's like one side of the story. That is very true. And all very you true. can, you know, unless there's incriminating evidence, all you, you know, right. unless you're Bill Cosby, right. there's, there's really no trial to go to. Very true. I mean, uh, I mean, well, I say Bill Cosby. I mean, <laughs> you cannot say it's harassment if you are unconscious. Who's who's that? That's uh, I was trying to do Bill Cosby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. I know. I, you, I, what the hell are you? Jello pudding puppet. Let's leave that one alone. I mean, I, I understand with him. I mean, I get that one. I mean, right. when you have that many women that you have oh, yeah. molested because yeah, you yeah. knock them out with some right. kind of drug, and then you take sexually, you sexually. I get that one. I even get the, the Matt Lauer one. That yeah. one was crazy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, in the Harvey Wein, yeah, Weinstein, Weinstein. One. yeah, yeah, but yeah. but there's some of them that are like, he looked at me funny, and I just that I feel like true. I was sexually harassed 20 years true. ago. That's very and true. And you know, like, where do we draw the line with that? I know, because I know, right? Like with your wife, yes, every woman I can say has been sexually harassed or assaulted at some point. Mm. Now assaulted. I say that, and well, harassed. Now I say, I'm in a club, mm. a guy grabs my ass. And you turn around and you that, say, me too. It's, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, you know, really, where do you draw the line? Um, I, I don't, that that would be assault if they actually put their hands right. on you. Right, uh, right, right, but not us. I mean, just just any kind of sexual contact. I mean, what do you, I mean, because we can know. almost say that, you know? Here's the problem is that that can go crazy real quick. It can, you and know, so that, how do how that's kind of like being in the middle of a sex act, and then she goes, "No, I don't want to do this." That is very true. So how do these guys protect themselves and their names? Uh, because once, like I said, once we, once that gets out there, I don't know. I mean, vir- virtually, no one's untouchable unless you're Kevin Hart. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's a, that is the only guy I know <laughs> that could like make a sex tape and, and get caught red-handed in the sex tape while his wife is pregnant. And he just he he not only walked away completely unscathed, but he adds it up into his show. He adds yes. it up into his act. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm sitting there thinking this guy's got to be related to Bill Clinton <laughs> somehow, right? I'm like, he's got to be because I mean, I, Clinton. I, I, Bill Clinton's the only other guy I've ever seen. You know, she fucked my dick, and uh, and you like that, right? So kiss my ass. And <laughs> I mean, a horrible Clinton. I, I know. So <laughs> Bill Clinton, Eddie Murphy is Bill Clinton, and uh. So I, I couldn't, I you know, I was like, oh, look, how, Kevin Hart. Now, if that had been anybody else on the face of the planet, they'd been murdered. They'd have been put up on. The, they wouldn't even be talking about Kevin Hart. You know, he's so funny. Kevin Hart, bless his heart, he's dead. You know, they'd, they'd have shot his ass. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. I don't know. My wife would have murdered me. Uh, that would have been ugly. Well, we don't know their situation, so. Uh, she was probably like, now you making how much for that joke? That's right. That's right. Use it. Uh, yeah, she's like, use it. That's, That's right. funny. Because I get half. I'm going to spend that all the way to the Macy's and everywhere. I don't even know if that's like, is Macy's a nice, <laughs> I don't even know if that's like a nice store. We can tell you don't shop. I don't shop. I'm, a, I'm going to TJ, PJ Pennies. JP. What is it? What is it? JP Penny? <laughs> JC. I'm going to JC Pennies. 
Sears. I'm going to Sears. <laughs> Michael, Sears when your granny was shopping. I did damn right. My granny He's, looked good. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Hey, granny. Uh, uh, wait, right? No, my granny's passed. I mean, she, all right. anyway, um, so uh, for all of you out there, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Honky Tonk Hitman or About Nashville. Uh, what's yours, Holly? I don't have one. You damn lie. You're saying you're you hiding. All right. If you want to follow us on Facebook now, uh, we've, we've got a closed group account now for Tighter Security so we can privately discuss all those things in the episodes and stuff um, like uh, stuff. It's a secret. That's right. Shh. And you can email us with questions, comments, or any other suggestions you may have at aboutnashville at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to go to iTunes and leave us a review and subscribe. Every little bit helps, y'all. Come on. Uh, it's good to be back. It is. It you know, good. today's episode, um, today's guest, is it, we have Tyler Mahan Coe, and uh, his father is David Allen Coe, he's a country music legend. I actually got to open for in the mid-90s. Um, they, uh, Tyler, he, he hosts an incredibly entertaining uh, podcast. It's called Cocaine and Rhinestones. Ew. I know. I love that name. <laughs> I do. It sounds like a. Uh, it sounds like a Rick James bio movie. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm Rick Stop James, it. bitch on cocaine and rhinestones. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and we we talked about him playing uh, in his father's band. We talked about uh, country music and um, and and his new podcast. And you know the, the conversation. It was it was heartfelt. And it was candid, and it was really raw uh, when we talked about his dad. And I, I, he tells this one story, and it was about Johnny Cash and his dad. And I was doing everything I could not to, to tear up. I was, like, looking at my feet, trying to, I was like, I'm going to turn into the honky-tonk puss right here in front of this man. <laughs> but I, I did everything I could. I was terrified that was going to happen. It didn't happen. Um, and even if I did, it, it wouldn't, he wouldn't have cared. I mean, Tyler Mahenko, he's, he's, he's a really cool guy. And... What you see is what you get, and that's what I like about him. Uh, anyway, on to the interview. Let's do this thing. Honky Tonk Hit Man. Welcome to AboutNashville.net with your host, the Honky Tonk Hit Man, Mike Rogers. you've done uh with your your podcast um but i got i gotta know a couple things um one of them is right off the top how'd you come up with the name uh cocaine and rhinestones that's just something that i have said probably (laughs) probably since the age of about 16 years old um anytime anytime someone 
you know, a big thing in country music is oh, no matter, and people think it's new right now. People think it's new that you know country music isn't country and it's all bad. Everything that's popular is bad. But do you cuss on this show, by the way? Oh fuck yeah. Okay, cool. Um, every every everyone thinks that country music now is just a bunch of trash. Right. And they're they're right, but it's not. That's not a new situation. You know, it's always been that way. At any point in history in country music, there has have been conversations where people are like. What is what people think is country music now isn't real country music. It's just a bunch of bullshit. It was it was much better back in the old days, you know. Right, right. And for me, I was born in the middle of the '80s, so for me, growing up around country music my whole life, any of those conversations mm-hmm. when people were talking about the old days, they were talking about the '60s and '70s, mm-hmm. you know, and cocaine and rhinestones. Right. That's, so anytime any one of those conversations would come up, it would just be like, yeah, man, cocaine and rhinestones. That's all it was back then. And okay. that's, that's what it was. So, so, uh, you know, you, I, I actually talked about that on my last episode. I said, I was talking about country radio and what people view as country music today. And, and, and the irony in what you just said is dead on. It doesn't matter what generation uh, of country music, uh, musicians are coming out or what's been played on the radio. Every single generation has that generation of, that's not country music. You know, it says, what the hell are you talking about? That's not country music. Country music is whatever is heard by the person on the other end of the radio. Uh, it's whatever they identify with as country music. So the stuff that is kind of like what you were talking about, they everybody has their own music that they identify with. And, and once you get away from that and it starts changing, you're like, this sucks. This yeah. absolutely sucks. Yeah. And I've I found myself doing that and to, to even to my detriment at, at, at times. But I agree with you. Um, it's a generational thing. It's not it's not that I think everybody has but outside of maybe the beginning Carter family and all that other stuff. But I mean, how, so let me ask you this. What in your opinion, what is your what is your definition of country music? Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh that that's that's a thing that I uh, I don't know if anyone is qualified to answer that question. I don't think I don't think anyone is, you know. And anytime, anytime, I certainly don't think that I'm uh, voice of authority on anything. You know, I don't feel like if I say something, that's the way it is, and everyone ought to just go with what I said because sure. that's what I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anytime, anytime you ask someone who is to define country music right. and anytime you ask someone who is a voice of authority if you ask johnny cash to define it, if you ask tom t hall to define it sure they're not going to start talking to you about mu- a, a certain type of musical scale that you have to use they're not going to start right. talking to you about us it's got to be this instrument or that instrument they'll never say that they'll right. never say if it doesn't have a steel guitar it's not country music you, that's never going to happen sure because it, it's it's a frame of mind right it's it's, it's something unsayable you know you feel it it's a feeling that. a frame of mind i love that because there's so there's, there's there's like rock songs and stuff that i can get a country vibe from for sure know? and i'm like oh fuck yeah that's 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 country like and, wild horses by the rolling stones those dudes are british you know there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing country about them in any way shape or form but that's one of the best country songs i've ever heard in my life there you go what is your primary source of what, what do you listen to when you're when you're when, what is your go-to music when you just want to be Whenever you just initially want to hear something, what what is it? What do you go to? Uh, well, it's, there's not a genre. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I would. If there's one unifying theme in the music that I like, mm-hmm. I would say that it's. I I tend to like music that seems to be made by people who didn't have a choice. 
Okay. You know, it was either I make this sound mm-hmm. or I go out of my mind. <laughs> I break something. Yes. I go in. Uh, and that could be anything, you know? I mean, I, f- I feel like if, if Leonard Cohen didn't make Leonard Cohen albums, mm-hmm. I have no idea what the hell that guy would have done with his life, you know? <laughs> or, you know, and I'm... Uh, I listen to a lot of really stuff that doesn't get talked about a lot you know like right. names that it would be pointless for me to sit here and list off but as far as the mainstream stuff i don't think that i don't think neil young ever had a choice i don't think bob dylan ever had a choice you know i don't think these guys were gonna be <laughs> doctors could ever you, could you imagine uh bob dylan as a doctor no like, there's well but you got wrong with yeah. you <laughs> i think you got a boo-boo yeah. on your leg he wouldn't he would he would grab the wrong instrument like you'd end up <laughs> you didn't <laughs> You'd end up with the wrong the wrong leg amputated. Like that dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, you know, how, okay, so let me ask you this. How did you get into podcasting? It's just, it, I, well, okay, it, it starts with listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. you know, and I never really did that because it's hard for me to listen to people talking. I don't really like talk radio or anything like that because uh-huh. I'm always doing something else. I'm always writing or reading or something. So having language coming at you is a much different thing than having any other type of sound coming at you. Right. But once I, once I started listening to podcasts, I pretty quickly realized that it's just storytelling, or at least at least the ones that I listen to. You mm-hmm. know, th- there's a lot of ones like this that are interview podcasts that are amazing. You know, really good stuff, and I listen to a lot of those, and they're great. But my favorite ones are always going to be the scripted ones. The NPR, I think, is what they call them. No, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, some just where someone's telling a story. You right. know, like I I research this and here's me telling you right. the story. It's just and, and it it really is. It just comes down to, to storytelling. Right. And th- that's the oldest thing that exists. Storytelling. You know. And I have always been a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, just privately, uh, I've always been fascinated with language in general, communication in general. Uh, just how ideas get shared between people and expressed between people is sure a lot of people don't do enough of is take the time to set something up sure and then i mean i don't i i I would assume that it's a lot like boxing you know just get 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 the guy where you want him to get him Uh get, get the guy where you need him to be and then put him down sure right sure so that's that's storytelling to me and i will wait until an hour and 20 minutes into it to be like and here's where here's why i told you everything that you've been listening to and if you do it right no one will realize that they've been listening to something for an hour and 20 minutes and don't know why they were listening to it (laughs) and then when you tell them why they were listening to it they're just like well damn i'm glad i gave you that that time of my life that was worth it (laughs) have you ever heard uh of of a he was on the radio I think he's, hey, I know he is. He's passed away. Uh, Paul Harvey. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, he's one of a big influence on everything I'm doing. And yeah. now you know the rest of the story. Abs- absolutely, yes. I used to love those little segments that he did. That was before podcasting, before internet, before yeah. all that stuff. And he would tell these like incredibly interesting stories about people that you had no idea who they were. And at the end, he would tell you and you'd be like, oh, shit. Kind of like your setup. You set them up, you knock them down. Um you know, you've covered covered a lot of really interesting topics. Have you already got your topics laid out for season two? 
I know what they're going to be. I don't know what order they're in yet. Because mm-hmm. uh, what happens... When I started, I started. I was just going to try to make one episode at a time and constantly be putting them out. You know, mm-hmm. like maybe one episode every two weeks and just keep doing that. And I could do that, but I think that I would lose a lot of what I have going on right now, mm-hmm. which is... I, I pretty quickly realized that um, <clears throat> country music is such a small world that yes. all of these stories are going to keep connecting with each other. And I I realized that if I'm making them in batches, you know, mm-hmm. or we're calling them seasons in podcasting, if, I'm, if I make them in seasons, then I can really give you like a like a tasting menu. Like if you went sure. to a really nice restaurant, that chef's going to sit down and he's going to or she's going to think about what what order this stuff needs to hit your palate, you know? And right. you can do that with batches or seasons of podcasts. So so that's what I'm really, I basically, I have to write it and then figure out, okay, if I tell them this, then they're going to know this. They're going to have this information because they already heard it here. Mm-hmm. So then I can just, I, I don't have to spend time explaining it later in this one. And I can use that time to do this instead. Holy shit. So you're like writing mini screenplays. It's, it's very much similar to a Netflix original series or something. Mm-hmm. I would imagine it's very, it's, it's a story, you know, right. it, it really, it's, it's a big story told with a bunch of little stories at a time. Wow. Uh, so how many do you have in a season? Well, I started with 10 on okay. the first one. The first season was just going to be 10 episodes. I, I thought that I was going to, to do one episode on Harper Valley PTA. Mm-hmm. And I ended up making about four hours worth of content on Harper Valley PTA. And that's that was three, wasn't it's it? In three, three episodes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just because it's, it's, I thought that I was going to be able to talk about these three enormous characters in one episode. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got started on the first one, I, I realized I was talking about Shelby Singleton, who that's a name that no one knows. You're right, right. And I realized, oh, I have a real opportunity here to tell a massive story that no one's ever going to know. No one's ever even cared to tell this story before. Sure. So as soon as I realized that, I was like, oh, well, I can, I should do that for the other two people as well. So, so do you, do you really think it's not important what uh, Billy Joe threw off the ridge? No, of course it's not important. No. I still think I don't know if you if you read it or not. <laughs> I still think it would have been so freaking phenomenal if it would have come out that it was a Bible and that he was he was uh, hiding his own sexuality uh, and, it, and, it, and the, he threw the Bible because he was giving up on himself and religion. I mean, yeah, that's that's a totally valid take on it. I think, right. and I think if I think once we once we definitively know what got thrown off the bridge, you don't get to think about that right. i can't remember that movie was in the 70s what 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 did he throw did he show it in the in the movie? oh in the movie it was a a doll the a doll. the girl character gives him a doll a little baby doll yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was ch- he threw the chucky doll off the that, bridge that's what i would do yeah, absolutely i saw some doll on the on the internet the other day it was scary as hell and it wasn't even a it wasn't annabelle or anything. i'm getting off topic don't do that adhd um squirrel <laughs> so uh you know it's it's funny that how what is what has been the initial reaction from people in country music that have heard the show so far either overwhelmingly positive mm-hmm. or radio silence and i think the radio silence mm-hmm. is out of fear that i'm going to start digging around in something that they're connected to so you you know why that is don't you this this town is uh locked up 
It's it's yeah. locked up, zipped up. <laughs> I mean, there's so much shit that happens here and, and never makes it into the newspaper, never makes it into... Nobody knows. So there's a lot of stories that even you and I pass back and forth that didn't make it to the general population or is just kind of glossed over and, and gone on. Yeah, yeah, you could be a threat to the machine, you know? Uh, you could start uncovering bodies that have been buried for years. <laughs> well, I kind of did in uh, we already talked the Genie C. Riley episode of the Harper Valley PTA series. I sort of unmasked uh, a guy who may or may not have done a very bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, from that moment on, I was like, "This is the motherfucker the Mike Tyson of podcast." That's awesome. I uh, I mean, to be fair, it's not like I have any competition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hey. You know what? It's like boxing. I can't never. I, I, I love the fact that I can no, be no worse than second place. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's that's a good way to look at it for sure. Um, no, but re- sincerely, that's that's why I started. It is there. There is no other option. I'm the only game in town. If right. you want, if you want to experience this, you have to deal with everything you don't like about what I'm doing because sure. I'm the only one doing it. You know. Uh, has anybody ever, I, I don't know, uh, but have you ever heard of the comedian Tony Hinchcliffe? Uh, yeah, yeah. I know Kill Tony? Is. I know who he is, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you're, you, I don't know where you're from. Where are you, where are you originally from? I was born in Michigan. Okay. But I've lived all over the country. Are you talking about how I don't have an accent? Y- you sound like Tony Hinchcliffe. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really familiar with his speaking voice. Yeah, yeah. You have to go listen to, like, <laughs> go listen to Kill Tony. You sound exactly okay. like Tony Hinchcliffe. Uh, no, I get that a lot. People are, uh, you know, you cocaine and rhinestones the history of country music is mm. the name of the podcast they hit play on it and then this is what they start hearing where everyone's like what <laughs> who's talking to me about country music and right. like who who the hell is this why do you, why does this person know anything about country music and yeah i don't have an accent but that's from a life of traveling since right. I was a very small child you know being on tour you go around all these different places the reason why people have accents is because that's the way people talk around <laughs> them you know when they're com- when they're growing up so you never hear anything by the time you find out it's different that's just the way you fucking talk <laughs> you know right and, but that's not how it was for me for me I was very young going around all these different places you know when you're when you spend most of your time in Tennessee or Missouri which is where m- most of my childhood was lived you go on tour up to fargo mm-hmm. you hear how those people you're like oh these people are talking crazy and this is this the yeah. united states what the and hell then you start going around all these other different places you know you go to boston fargo mm-hmm. uh texas it just it's it, you hear all these people it's like oh so what if i just talk normal right you know what if, what if i just don't have an accent and i'm sure there are some linguists out there that could analyze the way i talk and tell you that i have some some type of accent that probably could be located to some region or whatever but yeah i, I don't have a southern accent so, so but that, and that that didn't even you know that's funny that you should say that that never crossed my mind uh the fact that you didn't have a a, a country accent or a southern accent i was like that, that was never even a thing for me um i golly in the south everybody judges a book by its cover i mean and i never have understood that for whatever reason whether it's the clothes you wear or the color of your skin or how you look or what you what your religion is or what i'm like i'm so like i love the south uh but that aspect of it like completely has me scratching my head a lot of times i don't know why people do that to people it really it's uh i had i had the word uh, it's oppressive yes it is oppressive uh to 
try to force try to force other people to be what you think they are is mm-hmm. is really oppressive and that's um that, that's that's something that I'm really trying to attack with the podcast that I'm making you know mm-hmm. it's not I don't I it would be so easy for me to fake a southern accent could do it as easy no as, Larry the cable guy as, don't yeah, do that as easy as pie it'd be so easy for me to do that I could throw a fucking like dobro fiddle intro track together and you know <laughs> hey we're back on cocaine and rhinestones and uh, you know I could do that oh. but and and it would probably like people would probably listen to it it would probably be fine you know but it would also be total bullshit and you'd be selling your soul yeah it would feel i would feel terrible doing it for one thing but then the other thing is is i'm sick personally in my life of people thinking that if you like country music it means all these automatically means all these extra things about you right right oh you like country music you must be you know stupid illiterate redneck you you must talk a certain way think a certain way vote a certain way all these things and no uh, you know, I can I can present country music to the world in a way that they've never seen it before, and maybe give it the respect that it deserves. And that's really a part of my mission. I would say, if I have one, <laughs> is to just this is cooler than you think it is. You know? Oh, like, absolutely. Be, oh, country music, hee haw, hee haw. Right. Uh, no, this is cool as fuck. Like Waylon Jennings is one of the coolest individuals that you will ever hear about. You absolutely. Know? Just a really cool guy. Out. Uh, give me a choice. I love Bob Dylan. You know, we've talked about him already. Mm-hmm. Give me a choice between hanging out with Bob Dylan or Waylon Jennings for a day. Sorry, I'm hanging out with Waylon Jennings. Oh, yeah. For sure. No Absolutely. question. Absolutely. Bob Dylan's probably really weird to hang out with. I don't know. I'd still like that too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would be cool, but he's probably not fun. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, if I, if I had my, if I had my choice, uh, yeah, definitely. Johnny Cash would be freaking fun to hang out with. I mean, did you ever meet Johnny Cash? Yeah, man. Uh, <coughs> Johnny Cash held me. <clears throat> Johnny Cash handed me to my father the first time that my dad ever held me. My parents were separated when I was born. My parents weren't married when I was born. Okay. Um, and But my mom had been on the road with my dad. And uh, she made friends, you know, with everyone. Mm-hmm. And so... Man, I didn't even plan on telling the story. <laughs> um, so I was back in Michigan with my mom's family, and my father was having a nervous breakdown mm-hmm. on the set of one of the. Do, if you've ever seen those old Western movies that Willie and everyone made, like Stagecoach or oh, the, yeah. the Last Days of Frank and Jesse James, it's one of those movies. I don't remember which one. My father's having a nervous breakdown on the set of it. And uh, remember what year that was? I mean, I was born in '84, so okay. this would have been '84, '85. Okay, I was born in the I was born in November of '84, so almost definitely 1985. Right. Um, and someone got in touch with my mom. You know, they knew that she'd had his baby, and that was probably a huge part of why he was freaking out because uh, my my father was raised Mormon and. I'm his oldest son. So the firstborn son is a huge deal in Mormon life, I guess. I'm I this is what I've been told. Okay. I have not looked into this specifically. So if I'm saying something inaccurate, I'm sorry. It's what it's what the people told me. I don't really think about the Mormon yeah. faith. 
Um, but apparently, firstborn son is very important. Okay. Or, and if it's not because he was a Mormon, it was for some other reason. And that may have been why he was having problems. Anyway, someone got in touch with my mom, and they flew me out there. And so he's in this room, you know, just feeling sorry for himself or whatever he's doing. And Johnny Cash walks in, holding a baby. It's like, hey, David, I need you to watch this kid for a minute. I got to go take care of some stuff. My dad's like, no, I am not in any frame of mind to, you know, <laughs> be caring for any other living being. It's just going to be a minute. Just going to be a minute. You know, leaves, leaves the room, comes back like an hour later and is like, hey, how are you getting along with that kid? And it's uh-huh. like, oh, yeah, he's, he's pretty cool. You know, we're just hanging out. He's not really crying or causing any problems or anything. Johnny's like, yeah, that's your son. That's. Oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, my like Johnny Cash has been around a presence in my life from before I could talk. Sounds uh, like a godfather to you. I mean, he he wrote letters to the parole board to, trying to get them to let my dad out of prison. You know, he's probably the only reason my dad was even out of prison to, you know, for my mom to right. get hooked up with him in the first place. So, how long was he in jail? My father. Mm-hmm. It was well. It was an off and on thing. And uh, and I mean, I'll go. Ahead. He's uh a liar so it's impossible to know what is actually true or not true as far as you know when he was or wasn't in what he was in for um i would i would estimate that the first 25 years of his life in and out from the age of maybe nine on uh, probably from the age of like nine to twenty-five, just in and out. You know, go in, do some, do something stupid to get put in. You know, get out. And there's a thing called being institutionalized, which is where when you're in prison, and I, I, I'm not explaining it to you. I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. Which is when you're, you know, you're in prison, and there's a whole, there's a whole ecosystem in there. You get, you get a place in that. Right. You know, you have a place there. People know who you are and what role you serve there and then you get out and you don't have a place in the real world you know the real world has actually very much organized itself in a way to make sure that you do not have a place in it right and that's called being institutionalized so yeah he would get out and you know basically do whatever it took to get put back in and at some point uh he was always into music you know one of the i mean one of the things he got in trouble for was breaking into his school when it was closed because they had a piano in there and he'd go in there and play it. But um, at some point, I guess, having uh, being known for something, you know, he wanted to be known. He wanted to be famous. It must have scared the shit out of your mother the first time you ever picked up a guitar. I don't know. <laughs> well, cause, I don't know because um, she didn't... It wasn't like they were married while he was trying to make it and she went through all the stuff that people go through when they're trying to support someone chasing their dreams or anything like that. I mean, mm-hmm. he he was definitely a a major label recording artist when she came along, so it right. was a good a good thing for her. I don't know I don't I don't know if it really did scare her as far as that goes. She encouraged it? Well, have you ever lived in a house with a kid learning an instrument? Oh, absolutely. It's, it sucks, right? <laughs> right, right. So no. She didn't, she didn't, I mean, it was like, stop that shit. Your amp is too loud. You are not good at, I mean, she never told me that I wasn't good at it, but it was, 
implied (laughs) turn down turn that down and i i I wasn't good you know to be fair i wasn't good i I would say that i didn't get good until i was actually in my father's band um well when you were learning what kind of music did you would you start off learning terrible music whatever was on the radio okay Um, a country or rock or no no uh all all those classics all those bands that did uh like the crappy new metal uh like pop uh, punk just 102.9 gotcha. the buzz i think yeah, yeah. was the station that i listened to around here and uh really really b- genuinely bad music you know mm-hmm. very bad music but um well, how'd you get good enough to to play in his band well no he just wanted me to be in his band okay he was like you're in, you're you're in my band so that i can introduce my son every night that's why you're in the band it's oh, not fuck. it's not because you're great at it or whatever but the thing about that is is if i don't know if anyone listening ever has had an experience like this where you would do something in front of an audience but Mm. if you want to get good at anything get on a stage in front of you know a few thousand people who are expecting to see you do that thing well yeah and you're either going to figure out how to do that shit or quit right you know and I've I figured out how to do it, right. and it's your only option, you know, because you're not gonna keep you're not gonna put yourself in that situation too many times, right? You know? Right. Man, so have you ever thought about? I mean, did did you after you left his band, did you go off and do any other own stuff? Well, no, because before we hit play on this, you and I were kind of talking about without getting into any specifics. We were talking about how uh, what what can happen to people who get into music. Oh yeah, yeah. Is they. Uh, you know, you jaded. You throw your whole life at something, and then wh- whatever has to happen for you to hit the pause button and take a look around at what you've got and where you're at and everything. Usually, what happens with musicians, mm-hmm. lifelong musicians, you know, hard, hard road, road battered guys, you know, <laughs> right. hard lives. You get to be 50, 60 years old, and you look around. You mm-hmm. don't have shit. Right. You know, you don't have a, a thing. I would say that 98% of people who try to make a living at being a musician fail. You, you right. do not, you get to the end of that road because it's your, it's your body. It's physical labor. People don't think about it in those terms. They think about it like you're living your dreams. You know, you get to, you get to go around and play music. That must be so great and everything. No, you're, you're a trucker. <laughs> You're a trucker and you're a roadie. That's right. all you are. You're a glorified carny. Right. You're driving everywhere you go. You're breaking yourself. To it's this, it's worse than sitting in an office chair. If you've got an office job, you go sit in that chair for you know what eight hours a day, mm-hmm. and you get a lunch break and whatever <laughs> else. If you're in a band, everyone in a band listening to this has pulled eight hours consecutive in a car just driving, and then got out and got a cup of coffee and got back in and drove for seven more hours you know that's just part of it you just do that shit and you don't complain about it and then that's and there's everything else that you do on top of it you know and it's it doesn't pay well right that's a a misconception and you're not gonna get famous right you know you're just not you know because if you were then you wouldn't be breaking yourself to do all this other shit because that's not why that's not how you get famous (laughs) you don't get famous by pulling all night drives in the car that's just how you keep it going right and then once your body breaks down to the point where you can't do that anymore you can't keep it going (laughs) and you don't have a retirement fund you know you don't have anything else around so no i mean i i was in the band for 13 years and at the end of it i came out of it just as broke as i went into it you know and with a lot of physical you know body pain problems 
So the last thing I wanted to do, I, I, and I'm certainly not going to get in a van. You know, I was touring on a bus. You know, call, right. call me spoiled. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but I'm not going to go get in a fucking van and start over from right. scratch. Hell no. I can't imagine. And and that's even. I don't even have the drive to do it in the first place. You know, I'll be open about that too. I can't think of anything I would least rather do than get on a stage in front of a room full of people and try to convince them that they need to pay attention to what I'm doing. I don't oh. give a shit. You know, I don't give a shit if some, I like playing guitar. I'll play guitar at home. Right. You know, I don't need to go get on a stage and have, a, I don't care if anyone else listens to it. Right. You know, my father had that drive and I had the drive to make him happy and I enjoyed not being a star and I enjoyed making music and playing music with the guys in the band. That, that was my fun. You just said something that, uh, that might've been what saved you. The fact that you weren't, you didn't have that burning urge to be an artist. You didn't have that, <clears throat> that, that whatever it is inside of an artist that pushes them to do whatever for free forever. Uh, and just to be on stage, to be somebody to look at them and go, well, damn, they're, they're, they're talented or, or man, I sure love their song or whatever. Uh, it, it, you didn't have that. So it's kind of like smoking cigarettes, but not ever getting addicted. You were able, when, you, when it was the time to put it down, that addiction wasn't there. And you were like, okay, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I th well, first of all, I think we're kind of mixing up terms here. Uh, artist and performance aren't necessary. For me, sure. I, I would say, I mean, you could be an artist and never have anyone see anything that you've ever done. You That's know? true. Like, that is very we true. Could, we could sit here and argue about the meaning of art and, and artist for an hour. But, um, but no, I don't... Uh, you know, I'm glad if I do something and I show it to someone, I would mm -hmm. like for them to like it. That would be cool, you know, but I don't necessarily have the drive to show it to them in the first place. But you are an artist because you, you the, the and when I say artist, uh, I, I, I it is too blanket of a term. And what I mean by that is is someone that is just driven to create. Yeah. And I, it doesn't matter if it's music or if it's art or if it's if it's acting or if it's whatever it it's all some form of art. And that's that's kinda how it's playing. I didn't I don't as an artist, I don't even I don't think fame is is defined there's fame shouldn't even be attached to the term artist. Well I think I mean I think that you could turn fame into an art well that's that's I, interesting know, yeah i would say that i mean i would i would say that david bowie is definitely a musical artist as well absolutely but i would also say that he made fame into an art form i mean he, he not the first I, I said he made fame into an art form i don't i don't mean that he was the first person to do that right but he he did treat fame as an art it, his life was performance art really sure you know um so yeah, I mean, it's a, this is a very interesting conversation. This is definitely the kind of thing that I like just sitting around and bullshitting about for sure. Uh, as yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it's it's very mystifying to me the the cross section of fame and creativity, or the cross section of fame and music specifically, mm -hmm. uh, is what we're talking about. I really don't know what it is. You know, I don't I don't know if it's sayable. I don't know if you can define it. How it how it gets it I, the word i want to use is contaminated or corrupted how uh, it gets it feels tainted political. To, to me in a way yeah where it once once fame becomes the, a factor anything that matters then that's affecting 
the creativity, uh, in my opinion. Absolutely. You know, because now the album that you go into the studio to make may not be the album that you would ma- have made if you didn't have the size audience that you have or weren't interested in maintaining the size audience that you have, things like that. Movie producers I, I fall into that trap all the time where they, where they will have a script, they will have an idea, and they will, when they go in to start to make the movie, what, what ends up sometimes becoming the movie that is uh, produced is more affected by the investors that are associated to the, to the, to the movie as opposed to his creative choices. And then there's the whole, uh, what do they call it? screen testing yeah that process that's Uh so weird to me where it it just if anyone doesn't know they take movies and show them before the movie comes out they'll Mm -hmm. take a movie and they'll show it to a room full of people Mm -hmm. and get just random people right you know unqualified (laughs) uh, by any stretch of the term and these people start telling them how to do their jobs basically yeah they call them consultants yeah i didn't like that i didn't like that part i didn't like this part you know or it's just like well what do you know about it right you know (laughs) right i think star wars didn't screen well uh originally yeah and they were like oh this is gonna be bad and then it just turned out to be phenomenal well and then because then when you if you get into reading i'm super into reading any sort of pop psychology article or anything like that where just uh the way minds work or the way control works is a big one or influence is a better word than control the way Mm -hmm. influence works sure i mean it has been well documented that one strong personality in a room full of 20 people can pretty much dictate how that how the events of the next two hours are going to play out so really all the screen testing is is figuring out which person in the room has the strongest personality. You just, you just, uh, you just described I just, a, a, a lawyer's job with how. That's how they pick their jurors. Yeah, they try to they try to pick strong personalities that will influence the decision to go in the way that they want. So the the entire premise of taking a movie and showing it to a room full of if you want to if you want to figure out what people think about a movie, uh-huh. show it to one person at a time. Right, <laughs> Holly, Hollywood. If you're listening, screen screen test your movies for one person at a time and see what kind of notes you get back. Then that would take fucking forever. Ah, uh, you could put it on a tape. I mean, not now. It would have. Right. It would have in the 1950s for sure. But right. now you could just put 20 different people in 20 different rooms and show or, them the same or, movie or maybe at the you could time. just like send it to block IPs or on Netflix or I don't know. So it could be done. Yeah, it, it could be, be done. Out. Damn it. But I mean, otherwise you're just getting one person's opinion and then. And 19 other people who want that person to like them. Right. So have you ever done any acting? N- nothing that w- would be worth talking about. I mean, I, I was in uh, I was in an independent movie around here. That... Sorry. Um, it seemed like it was going to be interesting, but as far as I know, it has never been released. Okay. Uh, Steve Earle is in it. My father was also in it. Um J- Steve Earle's son, Justin Towns Earle, was, mm-hmm. was in it. It was, it was just a bunch of country people. I think it was called Blackbirds and Blazers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it never came out. I think it might have something to do with the soundtrack. I think they just used a ton of songs that they didn't have the rights for in the soundtrack. <laughs> and then uh, couldn't get them. <laughs> um, but also, I want to say there was something weird with uh, like a director of photography like holding some film canisters hostage or some shit like that. Uh-huh. It was a pretty crazy story. I mean, it was fun. I was like... I was like 15 years old. The whole movie is about these drug dealers. So we had all this fake pot on the set <laughs> all the time. But uh, and, and you didn't put like, you know, uh, real pot mixed into it with it? 
Well, that was the thing. Is like, so we would get these fake joints going during a party scene or whatever, and then <laughs> it, invariably someone would just throw a real joint in there and spark it up, and yeah. There you go. I noticed there was a vape room. Oh, uh, someone else that was in that movie, I just remember it was uh, um, Johnny Wheeler of Hasty Dixie. If you've ever oh, heard yeah, that yeah, band, yeah yeah, 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 he was in that too. He was hilarious. He they did was, the bluegrass ACD yeah, DC covers. That's them, and yeah. uh, and he, we always had guitars on the set, you know. So he was always just he would pick up a guitar and you know play some hilarious song that he'd made up it was a really good time hanging out there damn yeah uh what do you think about legalizing cannabis it looks like it's Fuck uh, yeah are we not adults is this <laughs> is this not america i know right can i i can go get drunk right now so what the hell right i i don't i don't get that you know we we, we talked about stigmas and and uh we talked about uh you know but you know is unless they just federally make it legal we are gonna be the last state Oh hell one. yeah! Of course we're gonna be the last ones. Oh, they're right here. Yeah. So uh, let me let me ask you this: There was a song in your show, Cocaine and Rhinestones, and it sings about. Uh, it sounds like an old uh, blues tune. Something about uh, my good cocaine. Yeah, the one I put at the end of the the very last song on every episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called. Um, well, shit. Now, I, now you got me confused. Um, <laughs> And we have not been smoking. I think anything. it's called. It's either just called cocaine, or it might be called cocaine blues. I think it's cocaine blues. But I know that that's also the title of a bunch of other different songs. Right. So that might be why I'm thinking that. But um, that specific version of the song is by an artist named Dick Justice, and it's essentially a cover of. And I, this Sounds is like here. a porn star. It's this. Is, yeah, it does. <laughs> my my girlfriend, my girlfriend laughed a lot too because she she was she likes old music like that. She's not really into country music, but she likes old old stuff like that, uh-huh. old time music. And um, she asked me who did it, and I told her Dick Justice. She, th- she thought I was joking. She laughed at me. <laughs> um, no, it's terrible that I don't know who wrote that song since I'm using it in every episode. But uh, it's it's just it's a really old song, and because cocaine has been around. You know, that's another, mm-hmm. people think of it as a 70s or an 80s drug. I mm-hmm. even talked about it that way a little while ago, but that's really not the case. You I'm know? not 100% certain, but I think it might be Bob Dylan. What, no, no, this is this is much older than Bob Dylan. That's the the recording of the song that I'm using is from like the 1930s. Oh, I just thought he emulated the 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 vibe, the sound, and everything. Yeah, so you're saying you pulled it from the 30s. It, okay. it, the, the song Dick that Justice I, yeah, was porn in yeah, the 30s. Dick Justice is from like the 30s. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> And the, the the song is even older than that because he's covering it. And uh, it's originally by a black artist. I know that. Okay. And then Dick Justice is a white artist. Uh, and the reason why I use Dick's version is the guitar playing in it is very different. Mm-hmm. I think it is, it, I would classify it as a blues song. Mm-hmm. His guitar playing is what makes it a country song. Because when you go real back far into country music, there's a lot of people who want to say that uh, country music is just blues music that was stolen by white people you know stolen from black people Appalachian by people. blues yeah some of it yes that's yeah. and that's what I was gonna say like if you get into like the Jimmy Rogers style of country music right. for sure mm-hmm. he's lifting blues absolutely but the Appalachian stuff that really is coming from Europe you know okay the, the troubadour ballads there's a tradition there that comes from Europe and that's that's just as much country music as the blues style stuff is too but that's why I used uh, Dick Justice's version is the guitar playing I feel blurs the line between it being a blues song and a country song and these are difficult these are very difficult conversations to have especially for me i am right. not a formally educated person i am very much just 
interested on my own and researching this stuff. And I would say that the establishment of country music does not want to have these conversations. Uh, sure. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to talk about racism as it's connected to country music. Right. I would love to talk about it because I think that the actual conversation will shed some light on what is and isn't the case. I think that I think that there are a lot of bad things that people think about country music that are not true at all. Okay. And I think that there are things that are so much worse that people have no idea about. The part that you just said something else that just so I I why is it that Charlie Pride is the only and I'm not going to call Darius, Darius Rucker you can't really put him into the same category obviously he's been successful performing country music lately but he he had a whole other successful career before he ever came here yeah. so charlie pride why is he the only black guy to really be successful well he's not um like i said educate me yeah <laughs> he's I, I don't know if i'm saying this guy's name right uh he's, he's way before my time and probably anyone else's who would be listening to this, but Deford or DeFord Bailey was one of the first, one of the first real big celebrities on the Grand Ole Opry. He was mm -hmm. a black musician. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not new. And the other thing that happens is, um, is it, it really gets into this thing where people, people tend to, to think of only black or white, you know, sure. and they don't take into account all of the other minorities right, there are right. there are native american country sure. music superstars mexican country music superstars you know uh really oh absolutely yeah freddie fender johnny, oh yeah, yeah, yeah johnny yeah, rodriguez yeah, 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 yeah. uh neil mccoy we could i mean yeah, yeah we could we could talk about this all day <laughs> i love it though i i i i, I, I it educates the people out there, but it also, you know, there's things that I think I know and I don't, but you are like, yeah, okay, I see it now. But I struggle with the fact that, oh, you know, you can say, yeah, there's this and this. Let's talk about women. Why aren't women played on the radio more? Do, okay, there's no good reason for that. It, it, this is very much a situation that we are in the middle of right now, and no one even knows it. No one even talks about it. If you bring it up, everyone will act like you're some kind of weird pansy liberal who's, you know, trying to seem like you care about something that's not really a real issue. Want this, to shit in their sandbox. This is a real thing. This is a real thing. You're not going to hear women on country radio. You're just not. And it sucks. It's well, it's trash because I mean, first of all, country radio is you know abysmal. It's it's not in a good sure. state right now. And it, I can't remember if we talked about this recording or if it was before we started recording. But that's not a new thing. I'm very aware that I'm not I'm not living in the first generation to hate country music. I know that. But also, things are really bad right now. It's this is not a good situation, right. in my opinion. It's it's bad. And uh, and we do have women that are making great country music right now. And even in even if you get away from the mainstream country music world, if and you start getting into the indie world where it's it's more quote unquote real country music or mm -hmm. it sounds more like the traditional stuff, 
90% of the coverage there is men too. Right. It's not like, it's not like, oh, it's the establishment and they're big, bad and evil, but we're all doing it right over here where we like the real country music. This is across the board. Yeah. No one wants to talk about, no one wants to talk about it. No one even wants to acknowledge it. How do we change it though? How do we, how do, how do we put our foot, no, how do we draw a line in the sand and, and, and change it? We, well, there's I mean, gotta be something. I mean, right do. now I can tell you to go buy Margot Price's last album and go buy Elizabeth Cook's last album mm-hmm. and go buy Leanne Womack's last album uh these are very good albums hello oh god you scared me what's up i'm sorry you guys yeah we're yeah we're i'm so sorry can i just grab something yeah go ahead i'm so sorry but uh yeah all all of those are super super talented artists and and uh and then should be heard leanne womack's had some some success on the radio uh, she's pr- probably more so than the others but i mean there's like brandy clark out there right now and and casey musgraves and there's ton there's i like i'm i'm gonna be honest with you when i did the top uh when i when i started looking at it a little closer i mean some of the stuff is uh not good uh but some of the stuff is really good of what uh, artists that are available uh, for people that are just being uh, ignored for whatever reason, and I'm talking about female artists. Yeah, it's. Um, I will edit all that out, so you don't have to. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to remember what I was saying. We were we <laughs> we, we, we were we were uh, we were uh, uh, riffing about um, the, inj- the 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 injustice of women in country radio. Yeah, well, it's. I mean, it's not new. You know, it's not new, but that's not a reason to let it persist. That's not a reason to keep doing it. You know, just like cannabis being illegal is not new, but that's not a reason (laughs) to keep doing it. Right. You know, I don't even smoke weed, but Mm. it's ridiculous that I can't just go buy some right now if I want to. Right. That I should be able to. That's ridiculous. Uh, But um, it's just even it's so crazy, man, because I've, I've, I do episodes on female country artists. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. You know, I'm going to talk about it. And in order to be able to have that conversation effectively mm-hmm. and in order to not have to repeat myself every single time. Sure. The first episode I did about a woman was about Loretta Lynn's song the, about great birth, episode birth control pill right. that her song got banned. There is no good reason for that song to have been banned. Sure, there were country songs about abortion by women that came out before that mm-hmm. that were not banned. And I could, I mean, go listen to the episode. I'm not going to go through the whole damn yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, there's no good reason for that song to, be, to have been banned. The only reason that it was banned is because of her attitude about it right because she wasn't apologetic you know she was standing up for herself and being her own person being an an autonomous individual in modern society Mm -hmm. and that's too much but game changers like that though it's not revisionism but game changers like loretta lynn and muhammad ali let's talk about this so they in the moment they're standing up for rights uh, that people, the majority anyway, have a negative kind of reaction to this, like standing up for it, whatever else. But 15, 20, 30 years down the road, they're like, this person was a game changer. They should have been You're like, OK, why couldn't you freaking saw that then? Well, that's what it takes, though. It, ta- it takes game changers. You know, it takes someone to it takes someone to stand up. You've got to be someone's got to be the first one. Right. You know, and somebody's got to take the bullet. 
Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, it, it matters. It matters when someone stands up and does something that they know has to, this is what has to happen right now, right. you know? And I don't see a lot of that. I see a lot of, I see a lot of people saying what other people need to do. Right. You know, that's what I see a lot of right now in America, I guess. I don't know what's going on in the rest of the world because right. there's too much to pay attention to here right now. Right. I see a lot of people telling everyone else what they need to do. Right. And I don't see a lot of people saying, here's what I'm going to do. Right. So let me, how long does it, and I'm, I'm skipping, uh, but I, I am curious about this. Uh, you said you were self-taught. Um, and then I, I'm curious, how long does it take you to create an episode from, from start to finish? And, and can you walk me through the process? It's probably two weeks. And, okay. and that in that two weeks, it's probably a hundred actual hours of work oh, wow. on one episode. And the process pretty much starts with, I have... I have a bunch of different searches that mm. I run and, uh, you know, just different keywords that I know will bring up what I'm looking for. Okay. And, uh, that's proprietary. <laughs> <laughs> Going to the dark web. Yeah. And, uh, no, I, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I, I spend at least one entire day just reading everything, Okay, you know, read just consumption, just fully absorbing everything that there is and going off on tangents, any tangent that seems possibly interesting or that might connect to something that I want to connect to. And if something is worth noting, then I'll make a little note of it, you mm -hmm. know, and then I'll, I'll make a folder in my browser for that episode and just add things to the bookmarks as, as I see fit. Okay. And, uh, and generally what you'll find when you do that is the vast majority of the episodes are using, if there's a book that is on the subject, all these little articles that you're going to find, right. they're all on, they're all from this one book. Referencing you know? that one thing in yeah. that book. So I'll get that book and I'll read that book, okay. you know, which that alone is a step that, you know, <laughs> so many people are not prepared to take right now sure. in journalism, sure. which is a, a problem. Right. Uh, you're not willing to put out fake news. No. Well, I think it's also the matter of, um, that I, I can take my time. I am afforded the luxury of not having a deadline. Mm -hmm. I don't have a boss yelling at me. Right. You know, I don't have to get this done by lunch. Creative control. And Yeah. And that that's a huge issue, I think, in a lot of what we are calling journalism now. You know, right. there's, it's, there's a big problem where people are just you, you're forced to churn out content, right? Because it's not about it's not about quality. It's very much about quantity. It's about hitting every possible keyword you can hit and getting it out there and getting the clicks. So, do, do uh, what would you say is the longest part of the process? Is it the research? Is it the? It wouldn't be the recording. Would it be the editing? Would it be the uh, the writing? The writing is the longest part yeah, of the process because it's not. Um, How many pages does one episode make up? Uh, Roughly. Well, I don't. I don't write it in. Uh, it's not formatted as it would be were I to publish it as a book or a short story or something. Mm -hmm. So it's very. Um, 
it's much longer than it would be. I can give you a word count. Mm-hmm. I'm usually shooting for uh, 7,500 to 10,000 words an episode. Oh, gosh. Which is a lot. A lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, You're like writing many books. I, yeah, I think I, I actually I looked up how many words are in a, an average book, and I think most regular, you know, published for mass consumption like novels have like 50,000 words in them so I'm doing about one fifth of a novel okay so I'm, I'm gonna tell you your next uh, venture that you can do uh what you ought to do is take those episodes yeah. and make them chapters of a book. Yeah. So every season you put out a book with the with the uh, with the season. It's in the it's on the it's on the list. Of, Boom. Of things to do. Creative minds think alike. <laughs> um. So yeah, and so the writing process really takes the longest because that's that's the thing that I'm doing that I I don't know. I mean it. Like I said, there's no one else doing this, so I can't sure. look at at someone else's as an example. You, you are a a uh, front runner, but um, it would be very easy for me to just sit down and say, "I read this in a book," and just tell you what I read. Right. But that is not what I'm doing. Right, I am building it. Or I'm building something around it. You know, I'm sure. packaging it in a different way, and that's a really important thing for me to do because. That's what that's what anyone from New York City or Los Angeles would do if right. they were going to do a uh, make a movie about a rock band right. that that everyone who is cultured and refined cares about, you know. That's what they would do. Right. And that's because that's the most interesting way to do it. That's okay. not because that's the right way or the wrong way to do it. It's because it's the most interesting way to do it. And people who come at Did she not shut the door? Are y'all no, sorry. She must have left the door open. Okay, I was like, this looks really dark. Yeah, I This has never happened. So, a lot, of, a lot of hours go into that. Did or did? How did you learn to, or do you do all your editing, or all your own stuff? Yeah, it's on me. Um, Fucking hate it. It's that's the worst part. I hate it. The the recording my vocal is the worst part mm. because I have. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to act. I don't want to seem like I'm trying to get like sympathy for this. I don't have like a speech impediment, uh-huh. but there are ticks in the way that I talk mm-hmm. that bother the shit out of me. Okay. You know, maybe other people wouldn't notice them, but I do. Okay. Well, that's uh, everybody. Everybody. You're talking about yeah. hum- the human element. Everybody yeah. thinks they're smarter than they are and yeah. they all recognize their own individual. They think their flaws are worse than they are. So when I'm alone in a basement in the middle of the night, I have to record in the middle of the night. Otherwise, my microphone would pick up cars driving by because <laughs> I'm using a condenser microphone because uh, that's the only way you can get really good high quality vocals. Um, you hear every sound that happens in your mouth when you're talking, you know? So right. it it takes me, however long an episode is, it takes me at least three times that long to record my oh, vocal part. And then after that happens, I have to sit and spend, you know, 30 hours editing that down, right. getting rid of the takes that aren't going to go in there and, you know, trying to make it sound as natural as possible, you know? In future episodes, are you going to ever consider uh, interviewing some of the people that might have been no. associated? <laughs> I mean, just like getting like a like a something their quick take on it or whatever on a particular thing. No, I uh, I don't think I can. Um, 
I can't remember if the episode I in one of the liner notes for one of my episodes I talk about this. I can't remember if it's come out yet or not, but um I I feel like that messes with uh the being impartial aspect oh, okay. of it because not every episode that I'm, I'm not looking for the dirt. You know, I think that some people think that that's why. That's why they're scared. Yeah. I think that some people think that I'm just trying to, you know, get into inside someone's life, find out everything they ever did wrong and then tell the world about it. That's not, that's not at all the situation. Right. Right. If, if that's what the story is, if the story is this person was a bastard their entire life and everyone knows it. Spade Cooley. Then yeah, Spade Cooley. Like, yeah. (laughs) If, if the, if the story is Spade Cooley who brutally, sadistically tortured and murdered his wife. Right. Yeah. I'm going to talk about that, you know, but, uh, if someone was just a dick to the kid bagging their groceries at the grocery store or whatever, I probably don't care right you know and i think that um i think that people think that that's the main issue i'm sorry i can't I'm, i forgot wh- how we started what, what i forgot what i'm talking about <laughs> all these distractions really that, that's okay well, no what what we were talking about uh and you just made me forget what, what I, <laughs> <laughs> I swear to god we're not smoking anything no uh, uh so let me ask you this um your next episodes that are, that you you have in your head, uh, can you tell us some of the subjects oh, I, that you want to attack for, or not attack? That's a terrible. That you want to uh, create uh, subject lines. I remember what you asked me. You were, you asked me about interviewing people. Um, I oh wanna, yeah, yeah, I yeah. yeah. First. Um, so so if someone talks to me, you know, if if someone connected to one of these stories sits down and talks to me, gives mm-hmm. me time out of their day, right. I'm going to automatically feel indebted to that person i'm going to feel feelings of gratitude for that person i'm not going to come into that situation with my critical thinking that i would apply in the research process that i use now you know taint your reporting well exactly and 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 again it's it's not that i expect there to be dirt every time it's not that i want there to be dirt every time but if it's there and i miss it i'll never forgive myself right and if if i miss it because i'm was sitting across from a person like i am with you like you and i are having a cool conversation mm-hmm. i'm having a good time i want you to like me i want right. to like you I I want I want both of us to believe the things that we say to each other, you know, at no point in this conversation. I mean, that's a perfect example. At no point in this conversation have I had the thought he's probably lying to me right now. (laughs) You know, I haven't. I felt like I was on your show for a second. (laughs) And this is where it gets interesting. (laughs) And and if I'm reading a book, if I'm reading a book that someone wrote, mm. I'm going to see it as soon as it happens. As soon as there's a lie, I'll, I'm gonna, oh, come on. Right. You can't be for real about this. Right. But in in in, in just casual conversation, I, I'm not like that. You know, it's a completely different perspective. It's a completely different mode of consciousness. Really. You can't suspend reality, especially when you the truth is looking you dead in the face. Right. And then, so then as far as, um, storylines that I want to get into, uh, all of it, um, I'm going to talk about everything. You know, I want to keep doing this for decades. I want to, I want to continue this. I'm in this for the long haul. You know, I'm not just trying to tell if, tell the the stories that I know and then bounce before everyone realizes that I just, (laughs) that I stopped, uh, stopped putting anything out because I didn't know what I was talking about anymore. I mean, I've already jumped into territory that I wasn't familiar with. I've already, um, well, let's see, uh, with, 
Well, Jeannie C. Riley, okay. the Harper Valley PTA thing, um, I didn't know a thing about her autobiography. I didn't know that either. Yeah. That, that episode, I mean, it, if you listen to that episode, I, I, I think we already referenced it. I, I sort of unmasked a person, sure. in a real person who did a, probably did a really bad thing. Right. And I don't think anyone else ever saw that. I don't think anyone else ever read that book and put that puzzle together that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was really worried about saying it. I think I, I feel like I found something out that no one had ever found out before. And mm-hmm. then I told it to the world. Right. I still don't know what could, what could happen <laughs> because I did that, but I did that, you know? Right. And that wasn't a story that I knew. That wasn't something that I was, I was coming to the table with in my pocket already, you right. know? So I, I really, I feel comfortable in just jumping in and finding out what happens, especially because I'm not above telling you that I don't know. Sure. You know, I'm not afraid to say, I don't know, or mm-hmm. I'm not sure what happened here. If I get out of my depth, I will be honest about it and you are you are on the show you, you you're very candid with that you know you're like uh so didn't really know a whole lot about that had to had to research it this <laughs> yeah. is what i found out you know so that i think I, you're it's not it's not like some kind of uh trash mag that where you where you just go in there and you make up stories and you're just throwing it out there to see what sticks to the wall you're really doing thorough research on these things and you're putting a lot of time and effort into it and and I, and, and it I, it's kind of addicting, really, because uh, once you start getting into the stories, you write them in a way so that you're listening and you're like, okay, I really need to get back to work. Uh, damn, I can't. Uh, and, and so you just continue. You, you hook them. It's like you say, you set them up until you hit them with that knockout line uh, and then you just topple them over. Uh, you've done it consecutively now. So it's not you've, – you've obviously stumbled upon a, a formula for your show because uh, it's working and it's working very well. And I wish you would so, so like give us just a little tidbit of something coming in season two or something you want. Maybe you might touch upon, but you, you're still hesitant to say, I don't know, but it just seems like there's, there's a lot of great stories out there. Well, um, I can tell you that I already know exactly how the first episode of the second season is going to open and it might break some laws. I'm not really sure about that. (laughs) And I can also tell you to expect a lot of George Jones, uh, in down the road, I'm really th- this. First, I already know the stories. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this first season is um, I there was a lot of ground that needed to be laid so that we can walk on it in mm-hmm. the future. You know, I'm I'm very much making this in a way where if if someone just starts listening to this podcast in like the fifth or sixth season and mm-hmm. they haven't listened to everything that came before it, they could be totally lost <laughs> because I'm I'm definitely treating my listener with respect you know mm-hmm. i i respect your memory you know i respect okay. your faculties like i i assume that you have listened to what i've already done and, and that you know what i've already told you so i don't i'm not going to keep hammering the same points or keep explaining the same things you know if i've already explained something that's done so now that i've gotten a lot of that out of the way mm-hmm. it really gives me a lot more creative freedom to do things like themed seasons, you okay. know, like a, like a whole season that based on a, a certain topic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe not necessarily, you know, one artist where like uh, 10 episodes on one artist, but mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a whole season where on an ev- every, every, 
person or subject that I talk about connects back to this one artist. Ah, something like that. That's and some Black Mirror I, shit. I have I have one very specific example in mind, but there's no way I'm talking about it because it could be like two years before I get done with it, and, ah. and someone else could totally okay uh, steal fair it, uh, fair steal fair, it from me. Fair enough. I didn't even think about that. I knew you were hesitant to say <laughs> anything, and I was like, "But how's he?" Being well, hesitant? and then the other the other reason why I don't want to talk about specific artists that I'm going to be talking about uh-huh. is uh, in promoting this first season. I wasn't even thinking about I got, artists. I got on my uh, I got on my Facebook and I just posted a list of everyone that I knew I was going to do. Oh yeah, yeah, I and remember that. Yeah, before I had some of the season, the episodes at the end finished, uh-huh. you know. So I posted it, and then. The week before the Leuven Brothers episode came out, oh shit! This guy got on my Twitter and was like, "Hey, I've been loving your podcast. Everyone's going to be listening to the Leuven Brothers episode." Or, or, no, no, sorry, I told that wrong. He said, I- "I've been loving your podcast. I uh, all of the surviving members of the Leuven Brothers family <gasps> are going to be listening to your Leuven Brothers episode next oh week." And all I could think was, "Holy fuck! I'm so glad I have that episode written already, so I don't have to worry about if I'm writing it." with that in mind mm. knowing that those people are going to be listening so that's why i'm not announcing yeah. too far ahead of time because I, d- I don't want you know it could change the direction with where you're going yeah, i don't even want to use an example right now of someone that i might do I sh- i'm just going to say i don't like i've already done loretta lynn so like, right, right, right. i wouldn't want to say yeah i'm going to do like a bunch i'm going to do loretta lynn next week and or next year right and i haven't even started writing it and then i get home tonight you know if this is live radio i get home tonight and i find out that <laughs> you know loretta lynn's going to be listening to it she loves your show she's going to be listening to it that's that screws me yeah because then i can't i don't have uh i don't know because it would change it would change it would change the way you did things because you would want to now you now you would want to touch the subject with kid gloves you wouldn't you might not swing as hard because now you're friends and again well and again it's not that i'm looking for the dirt it's not that i you know that's why i'm i'm in this but if it's there if it is there and it is it does need to be talked about then i feel the need to talk about it and it really i mean really though it's not so much about people's feelings or whatever i just know that it would affect me uh it would affect the way that i do it right and this it's weird this kind of ties back into something that we talked about a long time ago about uh, fame and music and once you get in an audience and once you gain an audience wanting to keep that audience it's the same kind of thing you know sure. you're making something because of what you think someone else wants to hear from you and that's not uh, that's not interesting to right, me. I'm right. not interested in that so as we wrap this up can you tell me what would you say so far uh, has been the greatest success uh, and the greatest failure you've had with this season uh, well, honestly, the failure thing is difficult because it's weird. I really, I'm very self-critical person, you know. Yeah, me too. And yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I could sit out. I would be afraid to tell you everything that I see that's wrong in the first season because no one else has seen it. Right. You know, um, not that it's anything that would be unethical or wrong or bad. It's, it's just, just not perfect, yeah. and you see it. Well, it's just I. It's a it's a critique that I have of it that sure. no one else has so far, and I'm certainly not going to teach them how to have it. <laughs> so uh, fair enough. As far as as failures, 
and also I, I feel like I have a pretty healthy attitude about failure. You know, mm-hmm. if I've done something wrong, I, li- I like to think that I recognize it. And it's, it's really just been one learning experience after another. Right. I can tell you that the first three episodes are pretty much unlistenable <laughs> to me Why? Ju- just because of the audio quality. Ah, uh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I did, I had I, 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 literally made something i literally tried for the first time to make something Mm. and then put it out into the world you know and that's the spade cooley episode that's the first episode that i made oh really yeah because i knew if i could get through that i could do anything you know that that and that story ruined my life for three four weeks it was horrendous i was having nightmares i was having nightmares with spade cooley in them you know like him talking to me it was horrible did you ever meet him Fuck, he's no, he died in like the. I don't know. He died a long time ago. When did he die? Uh, I, I don't want to say the wrong year. No, okay, okay, don't uh, worry. It, about it would it. be like in like sixties or seventies. It was earlier than that, I think. Even. Um, oh. Yeah, he was he was a star of the thirties. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have met him. But um, but no, so just uh, and I had a new microphone. Mm-hmm. I I have experience singing into condenser microphones, but not speaking into one. It's an entirely different thing. Right. Very different. And uh, just how, where the microphone needed to be, the placement, all of, all of the, everything. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything I was doing, and I didn't know I wasn't familiar with the recording software, any of that shit. <laughs> so the first three episodes are really rough for me. Mm-hmm. It's to the degree that I almost want to put in the description on iTunes, like please listen to episode four and then go back and listen to the first three, just because. I think you did say that. Well, I, in the intro to this big coolie episode, because mm-hmm. because I had to put a disclaimer on it because of the graphic content. Okay. In the episode which is not not a joke like that right. that episode could fuck your life up if right. you listen to it it could really do some damage yeah it was it was very uh, troublesome um but then as far as like the greatest success mm-hmm. is anyone anyone who has contacted me privately and i wouldn't want to put them out there sure, by sure, saying yeah. who they are but anyone who has contacted me and said i was there you got it right if you could give a percentage on on those in the music industry i don't know without naming names what would you say would be the percentage of one to a hundred that you have gotten positive or negative uh feedback from because i'm sure as you know as well as i do that as soon as you this is what was a private town that people especially in the industry because you as you said it's so small it's like being a part of a little bitty church and everybody knows everybody and everybody's business but you don't talk about it unless yeah. you're asking for a, a, a prayer yeah uh, please, please forgive mary joe for cheating on bobby Do- and, you know, but so it's like that in the music industry nobody likes to they don't like their shit out there have you had anybody come at you and say uh you better shut up no um good i was really concerned and still am about lawsuits about certain things. And again, sure. I, I wouldn't want to say like specifically what they are. Don't give them uh, any I ideas. I'm pretty sure I haven't broken any laws, you yeah. know. But I'm also pretty sure that uh, people regularly file lawsuits against other people just because they want to screw with them, you well, know. I'm pretty and, sure yeah. <laughs> that you are on to a fan. You, 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 what you've stumbled across something that is uh, touching people. It's touching their lives. It's it's changing the way that they look at country music. Uh, and it's changing their view toward the stories that they thought they already knew. Uh, and that is uh, a fantastic thing. And I, I thank you for being on the show. And uh, could you tell everybody, dream big. 
Is that your sign-off thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also want to say, I try to say this in every interview that I do. If I said something that seems weird or offensive or anything like that, please feel free to hit me up on like social media or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, and just yeah. Ask me for ask me to clarify what I was saying because when you're in a conversation like this, it's just two people in a room, you're sure. talking, you're just bullshitting. You don't necessarily think about the meaning of everything that you said. So right. if I happen to say anything at all that was offensive, just uh, hit me up. I can probably explain it uh, or apologize if I need to. And... <laughs> What is your what is your uh, Twitter account? What is your uh, Facebook, Instagram? What is all that stuff? It's just it's my name, Tyler Mahanko, T Y L E R M A H A N C O E. Dream big, dream big, everybody. Mm-hmm.